Atheist Talk and KTNF AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Good morning to all of you joining us locally by radio and streaming online. We appreciate you tuning in. Today is Sunday, May 5th. My name is Maddie Love, and with me in studio is Stephanie Zvan. We are excited to be joined via Skype by Nick Fish, the president of American Atheists. This is an open conversation. We welcome and encourage listener interaction with your phone calls to 952-946-6205, your emails to radio at mnatheist.org, comment on the Facebook thread, or tweet us over at Atheist Talk. Stephanie, thanks for joining me in studio, and Nick, it's wonderful to chat with you again. Good morning, Maddie. Good morning. So, Nick, first off, congratulations on completing your first conference as president of American Atheists. Thank you so much. Uh, it was really great to see you. Um, I, you know, it's it's funny. It was my first one as president, but it's I think this is my sixth or seventh one now. Um, so we've sort of gotten into a rhythm with it, uh, which is great, I suppose. Um, but it, it, it's it, there's always a lot more than you initially realize uh, when you're putting together these things, as you absolutely know. Yes, yes. Conferences never <clears throat> quite run smoothly. No. Um, <laughs> Even when they're great, they don't run smoothly. Right, and, and that's that's sort of the key. It's you know the the it's the that old saying about like weddings that the 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 bride, the groom, and the event planner know when every little thing goes wrong. But as long as the guests have a good time and don't see it, um, then that's a successful event, uh, no matter what crisis happened. And that's always how it is. You you expect one crisis at least, and we had ours right away and got it out of the way. Uh, and then everything went smoothly from there. So that's about all you can ask. <laughs> I don't even remember you having a crisis, so you did See? pretty well. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I did notice that unlike uh, the last couple of conferences that American Atheists has put on, this one wasn't really about celebrity. Um, they're, they're, Jim Obergfell did give one of your, your keynote speeches and um, people who pay attention to uh, Supreme Court cases will know who he is, but he's not exactly a household name. Um, was that a deliberate choice on your part? Yeah, it absolutely was. Um, you know, I, I think we're when 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 a, a Supreme Court plaintiff who uh, whose case fundamentally altered the lives of millions of Americans, and and um, you know, with the the decision that gave gave us the right to get married across the country, um, it doesn't count as a celebrity. Uh, I think we're doing pretty well. Um, I think that's 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 kind of what we want. Um, the, the thing that was more important to us was people having a compelling story to tell um, about their experiences as atheists, as their experiences uh, about their experiences, sort of moving through the world as as atheists and as organizers and as activists, and what that means to them in the context of um, you know telling uh, telling their story um, and and putting a human face on this community. Um, that's one of the things that. You know, I don't think we've done the best job of um, over the last um, the last few years. I think we've we've gotten the um, we've gotten the the religious criticism down. We've gotten the we've gotten to okay, there is no God. Now we need to get to what do we do next? And part of breaking down the stigma associated with our community um, and and breaking down those barriers is is putting that face on our community. And, and it can't just be one person. Um, there are so many compelling stories out there. Um, that people need to hear um, and that people just need a platform for. They just need to be given a microphone to tell that story. Um, we have all of these examples of religious privilege causing people harm. 
Um, and we can point to those and say, you know, this is why religion is bad, but what better messenger than the people that religion is actually harming um, or that religion is being used as a weapon against? And so Jim, despite the fact that he, you know, has some amount of celebrity, um, Jim has that story, um, but so does Gail Jordan and so does um, Kevin Bowling talking about the impact on students and, and so do everybody that we, we put up on stage. And that's why I thought it was so important for us to think about the way that we programmed and the way that we um, gave people a platform to highlight those stories. And that's why, you know, the theme of the conference was everyday activism and, and what can we all do in our communities to move the needle toward equality. Um, that's a big part of it is is just telling those stories. All right. you. There were a couple of other um topics that I heard everybody talking about as they came out of out of various talks. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about your speaker who covered child marriage? Because that's just something that really until now we haven't heard about within the movement. Yeah. Yeah. So we were actually we're working with a group uh, called Unchained at Last. Uh, and the founder of that group uh, is a fantastic just firebrand woman uh, by the name of Frady Reese, um, who is not afraid to um, stir things up, uh, but she's doing it for a good reason. And she's doing it because she herself was um, forced into an arranged marriage as part of a conservative um, religious group, um, not given any education. Uh, you know, women were sort of expected to be mothers and that was it. <clears throat> and, um, she eventually left that religious group, um, got a divorce, got her kids, went back to school, um, and founded a group to help other women escape from these arranged marriages. Um, and so we've worked with them now in multiple states, including Pennsylvania, New Jersey, um, and I believe Connecticut and Delaware, um, working to end the practice of child marriage. Uh, because across the country right now, um, the vast majority of states, I think it's over 40 states, allow marriages under the age of 18, um, either as a matter of course or have exemptions in the child in the law uh, that allow children to get married as long as it's for a religious reason um, and with the sign off of their parents, which doesn't at all stop child marriages. I mean, <laughs> the, the only reason or the, the most frequent reason that anyone is getting married at 15, 14 uh, or even 13 in some cases, is because of religion um, and a religious, uh, sort of a religious context of, a, of an extremely conservative arranged marriage. A 13-year-old is not running out and saying, oh, I, I think I want to get married. They're being forced into something, and, and that's what we need to stop. And so we're working with Unchained at Last and Frady to um, put, in, put in place laws that stop that, 18 and over, period, um, and with no religious exemptions. And that's, you know, a difficult lift in some cases, and it certainly is at the federal level where, you know, some of our more traditional allies are saying, well, wait a second, we don't, we don't know that we like this because what about this one religion that, you know, maybe they want to get married or immigrants, they, they, may, they may view it as um, some sort of anti-immigrant bend or something like that. And it's like, no, we're, we're protecting kids here. Like, that's, this is not complicated. Um, we think 18 is a perfectly fine age to get married at. And, you know, if there's an exemption that needs to be made, um, then, you know, religion isn't it. And uh, it's really unfortunate that we're running up against a lot of um, resistance um, from all sides of the political spectrum, quite honestly. But 
Um, it, it's a huge issue that no one talks about, not just within this community, but nationwide. Nobody, nobody thinks that this happens in the U.S., and yet um, the numbers are pretty stark when you start digging in on um, exactly how many kids we're talking about. And just worth pointing out, uh, a lot like with when we're talking about teen pregnancy, we're not, for the most part, talking about, <clears throat> say, two 13-year-olds who go to their parents and, and want to get married. We are mostly talking about uh, young women marrying much older men. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the, the bulk of the cases. But there are certain times when it will be a younger, usually a younger child, a younger girl, um, sometimes being married to a slightly older, uh, still child boy um, as an arranged marriage. That's some part of the sort of familial, you know, like a, an arranged forced marriage. Um, but yes, the, the the biggest, the bigger issue, the biggest issue is is exactly what you're talking about with with much older men. All right. Uh, were there any other topics at the conference that are probably things we haven't really talked about as a movement? Um, you know, we, we, we did some uh, we, we did a lot of workshops as well. We, uh, we did breakout sessions for the first time uh, in quite a number of years uh, that focused on very specific areas of uh, leading a group, uh, starting a podcast, getting better, uh, getting more access to grant making, um, becoming a 501c3 as a group, um, lobbying and things like that. Um, we also had folks get up on stage and talk about um, so-called gender ideology, um, which is a really pervasive narrative being that was created, um, I think, back in the 1980s by um, really conservative Catholic elements um, that wanted to um, use religion as a weapon against um, LGBT people, trans people specifically, uh, people who didn't conform to really rigid gender roles. Um, and so we had a researcher from... Um, uh, public Research Associates, uh, Heron Greensmith, uh, and they got on stage and talked a little bit about the history of so-called gender ideology and how religion is at the core of um, that sort of uh, um, resurgence in that that we're seeing now. All right. We have about a minute and a half before break. Um, I, I want to talk about specifically what Debbie and Allison are doing after the break, but you want to introduce us to American Atheists' new VPs? They're not joining yeah. us, but... No, absolutely. Um, we're, we have a really fantastic team uh, joining us at American Atheists. We, we had Allison Gill, um, who is our Vice President for Legal and Policy, who joined us last year um, at the beginning of the year, so she's been with us now a year and a half. Um, she focuses on state legislation, but is a policy expert on... Um, she came to us from the LGBTQ movement, um, but she's just a fantastic advocate and extremely knowledgeable about all things related to state policy. Um, Debbie Goddard uh, is join, joined us uh, at the beginning of the year slash late last year from the Center for Inquiry, where she worked in the outreach department. And she's handling a lot of our grassroots programs and our events and things like that. So um, we just lost, not lost Nick Hunter. I realize I don't know the Skype cut out. Well, thankfully, we only had like 45 seconds left until we went to break. I mean, what Nick was talking about was important. Yes. <laughs> we really want to know these people, but at least it wasn't like <laughs> at the beginning, <laughs> the beginning of a segment. Yeah. Uh, um, I've, I've had a chance at this point to 
uh, work quite a bit with Debbie and a little bit with Allison. And um, I'm pretty sure Nick was just going to wax rhapsodic for a few seconds there, um, which I totally support. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think I've ever met these people, but I know them from their online personalities. They're, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, please stay with us for the break. Stephanie and I will return to Atheist Talk with our guest, Nick Fish, president of American Atheist. You're listening to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Welcome back to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. You're tuned into Atheist Talk. I'm your host, Maddie Love, joined in studio by my co-host, Stephanie Zvan. And in just a moment, we'll return to our guest, Nick Fish, president of American Atheists. I know you just finished listening to commercials, but I wanted to give you give my weekly thank you to both Minnesota Atheists and Cucumbers Restaurant in Edina for their support of Atheist Talk. If you've listened to Atheist Talk in your car, consider taking 62 or 494 to France Avenue and then heading over to Cucumbers and join Minnesota Atheists for brunch today. The get-together starts at 1030, and just let the friendly, helpful staff know you're joining Minnesota Atheists for brunch, and Cucumbers has seating as expansive as their buffet. We always have room for new faces, and yes, Cucumbers is one of our sponsors, but they are truly awesome, and we thank them for their continued support. If you would like to advertise in this program and help keep us on the air, please contact us at radio at mnatheist.org. And now, back to Nick Fish, president of American Atheists. If you'd like to get involved in the conversation, you can call us at 952-946-6205, email us at radio at mnatheist.org, join the thread on Facebook, or tweet us at Atheist Talk. All right. Welcome back, Nick. Glad we got your uh, voice back. Yeah, thank you. Sorry about that. I'm sure it was us. So we were oh, talking right. about your new VPs. Um, uh, Allison, as you mentioned, is not that new. But um, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about what she is doing about Project Blitz. Yeah, absolutely. So this is this is one of those things that is, again, sort of flying under the radar for anyone who isn't really plugged into our work, which is really unfortunate. And um, Project Blitz, for anyone who isn't familiar with it, is a campaign by, um, I, I guess you could even say self-identified Christian nationalists um, who want to put in place religious law, essentially. And the way that they're doing it, and, and this is, again, very explicit, they, they've put their guide up on online, uh, they're just saying it out loud because they don't think anyone's going to stop them. Um, their tactic is to blitz the states, the state legislatures, where, you know, we have because of term limits and budgetary reasons and uh, all of that, there are legislators that aren't very familiar with um, the process. And so they take these bills, uh, these these uh, model pieces of legislation that are put forward by these uh, prayer caucuses and say, oh, that sounds great because it defends religious freedom. And they and they implement it and they pass it. And. Um, so they start small. They start with these really symbolic pieces of legislation, things that look like, uh, you know, in God we trust um, in public schools, things that uh, would be kind of called ceremonial deism uh, by the people that generally support them. Like, oh, it's not really religion. It's all it is is, you know, we're just recognizing our shared religious heritage or something like that. So they start with that. And importantly, um, which courts have occasionally ruled are right. not it's problems. Totally, it's fine. Exactly, exactly. And so they start with the stuff that they view as less controversial. Um, but then they amp up and they go to things that are outright distortions, but, you know, might on, on some level pass the smell test, but aren't direct attacks on people. 
um, but are rather uh, distortions of history. So they'll do things like uh, Christian Heritage Month or the, the Year of the Bible or resolutions acknowledging the history and, and contribution of Christians to early American history, things like that. Um, but then the last step, the third step, are the ones that are really dangerous. And these are the laws that um, put in place uh, uh, refusal of service rights for, for religious people, where they say, okay, if you're religious, uh, you don't have to follow these civil rights laws. Um, you can discriminate in the provision of health care. You can discriminate in um, adoption and foster care placements. Um, and they frame it as the government can't take action against you for refusing to serve people um, who conflict with your religious beliefs. So they sort of turn it on its head and and really distort religious freedom into a, into something that, you know, most people don't recognize. Um, but they do that by, you know, amping it up over and over and over again until it becomes the norm. Um, and so that's that's the the, co- the coordinated campaign um, that that is called Project Blitz, and it's being put on by the National Prayer Caucus Foundation um, and some really um, dangerous elements of the religious right, including the Alliance Defending Freedom, uh, the Family Research Council, you know, the, those types of people um, that we fight against all the time. The, they're the ones who are behind this, and so Allison is. Um, monitoring that, we're, we're really the only organization um, at the national level on the atheist secular side of things that's really engaging at the state level. Um, so actually, this weekend, Allison is headed to Missouri um, to testify against a bill um, that would make it um, impossible for um, people to uh, proceed with lawsuits uh, defending their constitutional rights. Um, it would make it impossible for them to proceed anonymously. And we know that uh, atheists bringing these cases have been subjected to violence, threats, um, death threats, um, and have had their homes burned down and things like that because of the the lawsuits that they've brought to defend their rights. And so um, this law would quite literally put a target on the back of anyone in the state of Missouri that was trying to protect their rights. What kind of resources is American Atheist putting together to um, help the rest of us who maybe want to fight this because Allison can't be everywhere all the time. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's very true. As much as we'd like her to be, she can't. She is but one woman. Um, <laughs> so one of the things that we're, we're working on putting together is a network of state-level activists um, who can testify on these topics so that Allison obviously doesn't have to do it every single time. We have um, model testimony that we can adapt um, for you if people – uh, if you see a, a bill that fits within the Project Blitz um, uh, framework uh, come up, we have testimony ready to go that you can deliver um, and adapt it to include your own personal story about how this is affecting your community or your your family. Um, but we also are tracking the bills and putting it online so people can be their own advocates. Uh, we have tools um, including an action center that um, targets states um, all across the country, state legislators, um, but also federal legislators, obviously as well, um, to push back when we when we find these uh, when we find these bills. Um, and so we're we're trying to use um, our resources at American Atheists as sort of a force multiplier, um, so people can be their own advocates um, and can uh, use the tools that we've developed uh, as you know citizen activists as. Um, on-the-ground lobbyists. And so uh, a, a great way to find those tools is to go to uh, blitzwatch.org. 
um, which is a website that we've created uh, to keep an eye on Project Blitz and to put out resources. Um, the last thing that we're doing that is uh, helpful and is is really um, I think expanding the reach uh, that we have is bringing on board allies. Um, we're we're doing this as part of the the Blitz Watch um, campaign, um, bringing in other groups that are being targeted by the Project Blitz style um, legislation. So it's not just an atheist issue. Um, these are this is an issue for LGBT groups. This is an issue for reproductive health groups. Um, this is an issue for adoption and foster care groups. And so we're getting in the room with those coalitions and encouraging them to sign on uh, to Blitzwatch um, and to put together resources that speak to the areas that they have expertise in um, because this is not just an atheist issue. This isn't just about in God we trust in um, schools. And while that is a problem, um, this is about people's lives uh, when it comes to healthcare access or, or adoption and foster care. All right. And this is, it's not entirely a new tactic for the atheist movement to work with non-atheist orgs, but it's it's relatively new, correct? Yeah, you know, I, I think that we, we have to find common ground um, with groups where we find where we have overlap. Um, and even if they don't disagree or they even if they disagree with us on a few very important things, uh, they may agree with us on one really core issue or one, um, you know, uh, one thing that actually impacts people's lives and in, in, in the way that they um, experience uh, legislation. All right. Um, and we will come back and return to that in a couple minutes. <laughs> Great. All right. Please stay, with us the break. please stay with us through the break. Stephanie and I will return to Atheist Talk with our guest Nick Fish, president of American Atheists. You're listening to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Thank you for tuning in to Atheist Talk on AM 950 KTNF. I'm your host, Maddie Love, in studio, Stephanie's van, and we are chatting via Skype with the president of American Atheists, Nick Fish. If you'd like to chat with us this morning, you can call us at 952-946-6205, email us at radio at mnatheist.org, Find the thread over on Facebook or tweet us at Atheist Talk. Before we return to Nick, I also wanted to thank our group of dedicated volunteers and the generous donations of you, our listeners. You help keep Atheist Talk on the air and in podcasts. If you are able to help with a donation, please consider visiting our radio fund page or our Patreon, where you can get extended interviews. Visit patreon.com slash Atheist Talk. Minnesota Atheist is a 501c3 tax-deductible organization. We couldn't do this show without you, and we deeply appreciate your support. Music for, music for Atheist Talk is by composer and member Brent Michael Davids, and he's used with permission. Please note all opinions are of guests and hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the Minnesota Atheist Organization. Mischief managed. Now let's get back to Nick Fish. <laughs> Welcome back, Nick. <laughs> so you. we were talking before the break um, about expanding cooperation with organizations um, outside of, of the secular movement. Um, now, obviously, Allison comes from a uh, LGBTQ activist background. Um, mm -hmm. Debbie Goddard has some of that same background. Uh, what was your background before you joined the atheist movement? Sure. So I worked in politics generally. Um, so I worked on the 2008 presidential election down in North Carolina. 
Um, and then after that, I worked uh, for an organization that did fundraising and marketing and uh, consulting for a variety of progressive nonprofits and political groups, so the Democratic Party writ large, uh, but also groups like Planned Parenthood, NARAL, Human Rights Campaign, um, environmental groups like the Sierra Club and um, Natural Resources Defense Council, and um, just really ran the gamut of uh, progressive-leaning uh, political causes. Um, so that was my background, but I've been with the atheist community now. This is seven or eight or no, eight years now, I suppose. Um, so, um, you know, a, a wide range of experience, but, um, my, my time has, uh, the, the majority of my time now professionally has been within the atheist community. Um, the one thing I, I want to just say is that about cooperation is this is something that local groups have been doing for years, right? Is finding opportunities to collaborate with, um, other groups that they agree with. Um, the thing that we're trying to encourage them to do is to do that more explicitly, um, and to find things that, you know, they may not even consider atheist uh, issues, quote unquote. Um, if, if there are members of your local community group that care about housing policy, um, go to the, the, those sorts of meetings as members of this, of your group. Um, if you care about, um, you know, public transit, do it. Great. That's fantastic. Um, because it builds connections and it, and it reinforces the connection that your group has with the broader community and can help build allies um, and build engagement from there. And I will say it's not exactly the um, policy of Minnesota atheists to work on um, issues that are not specifically religious. But in a lot of our volunteering, sure. we do that simply because we recognize as atheists that if anybody is going to build the world we want to live in, it's going to be us. And I love right. mass transit. So just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I think that we have, we have no shortage of like mass transit nerds uh, in this community. So uh, if that's, if that's what really gets you, you fired up, I mean, the only reason that some of these issues are explicitly atheist uh, or we view them as explicitly atheist is because of the nexus between the policy and some sort of religious privilege, but religious privilege has found its way into so many areas of our society that you can almost find it everywhere. Um, you know, we, we, we see it in drug policy. We do see it in housing and urban use policy. We, um, I don't know, mass transit might be a bridge too far. Ha ha ha. But, um, <laughs> but it, Oh, it, I it, like your train of thought. There's certain, there, ha, <laughs> again, uh, there is certainly, um, no shortage of opportunities for it. And, you know, just what you exactly said there, um, Stephanie is, is we're responsible for building the world we want to live in. Um, human, the solution to human problems is human action. Um, and so as atheists, we have an obligation, um, not just an opportunity, an obligation to do the things that will make our communities better. And, and that can look like a lot of things. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that, American Atheists is going to come out in favor of any particular housing policy, but we're, what we're going to do is give uh, advocates on the ground the tools to um, do the type of activism that they want to do. And I think that that's more important than, than a sort of top-down um, mandated approach. So since we're already discussing it in, in uh, slightly obliquely, um, let's talk about Debbie Goddard's role and what you're working to do um, on a national level with the various groups. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm really excited. I, I started to talk about it um, before you lost me there at the first break. Um, I'm really excited to have Debbie with us. Um, Debbie is somebody who I've known um, 
basically the entire time that I've worked in the community, and she has like decades of experience um, working within the atheist community, but also bringing in voices from outside the community to expand the reach of the work that we do. Um, and to, you know, challenge our preconceptions and, and force us to reevaluate uh, what works and what doesn't work. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, um, she she's somebody that I, when I uh, got the call um, t- about uh, becoming president of American Atheists, the, the first thought in my head was, okay, who can really take our local um, work to the next level? And the answer to that question immediately in my head was Debbie Goddard. Uh, so we posted the job and I sort of said... Uh, Hey Debbie, you should really consider applying for this job because uh, <laughs> I would love to work with you. Um, and thankfully, she did. And you know, and, and now she's we f- sort of got our feet under us now that the that our conference is done and we can actually start the hard work of building uh, resources and, and toolkits and trainings and programming um, to empower those local activists. And so that's going to look like, um, <clears throat> excuse me, us going into. Um, coalition partners and saying, here are some groups that we have in your in these areas that would love to work with you. Um, make those connections so that people on the ground can get connected to people that they, you know, maybe hadn't considered or had considered but weren't sure which steps to take um, to, 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 to get over that initial hump of, um, you know, how do you even get your foot in the door? And so that's what Debbie is going to be doing is, is building those resources, sort of leading the, the strategy of um, how we can um, collaborate with these groups in concert with what Allison is doing on the policy side of things. Um, so there's an awful lot of training that's going to happen. Uh, there's an awful lot of toolkits and, and resources being developed. Um, and Debbie is thankfully the the exact person that we need to be leading that. So I, I can't be, um, I, I couldn't be happier to, to have her on the team. Now, American Atheists has had state directors for at least as long as I've known about um, American Atheists, but I don't think the program has been formalized to uh, anything like this point before. Is that correct? Yeah, we, we've had this sort of informal relationship um, and, and we're, uh, where we, we create a person that's sort of a point of contact for all of the groups or as many of the groups as possible um, in, in the state. Um, you know, everything right now is uh, kind of up for debate. Um, we, we, we're not going to get rid of the program, but we want to make sure that the program is functioning in a way um, that is accomplishing the goals that we have and that we're giving people both the tools and the structure necessary to be as effective as possible because we acknowledge and, you know, in fact, sort of celebrate the fact that all of these state-level volunteers are volunteers. Um, they're people with, <laughs> with actual day jobs um, that can't, drop everything in a moment's notice to go testify sometimes. And so that's why it's really important for us to um, put everything in the right structure um, that works for as many people as possible and to be flexible with that structure so that it can work with as many people as possible um, so that we're not losing really talented, uh, really dedicated activists to burnout um, or to, you know, tripping over our own feet um and that's that's what we're evaluating right now and so we're looking at metrics we're looking at um how to do this in a way that actually meets the needs of the community but also accomplishes the things that we want to accomplish rather than just doing something because that's how it's always been done um so that's part of what debbie is doing right now is is building out that uh that framework um now that we're on the other side of the convention (laughs) And I do want to come back to training because uh, I, I am a complete training geek. But before I do that, um, 
you are also looking for another person to uh, help with this project, correct? What is it that you're looking for? Well, we're finalizing the job description right now, but at its core, we're looking for an organizer. Um, We're looking for somebody that can um, motivate and train and um, sometimes do the hard work of actually getting people from point A to point B to to make activism happen. Um, And the the great thing that we're um, hashtag blessed to have is people who are – exceedingly good organizers um, that are already plugged into this community and plugged into this organization. Um, And so we have a lot of interest already before we've even finalized what the job description is going to be or what the, uh, or post to the job. Uh, But at its core, it's going to be about organizing. It's going to be about mobilizing and it's going to be about building bridges with uh, allies um, wherever we can find them to, to accomplish um, both policy outcomes, but also to build communities. All right. And for people who might be interested in this, because that might be a couple of people in our listenership, um, what is the actual position that people will be looking for you to post? Yeah, it'll it'll probably be called field director, I believe, is the, the title that we're going to use there. Uh, but it will be a field program uh, or a field uh, position. And so they can just check out our website. It'll be at atheists.org slash careers as soon as we post. And it'll go up on all of our social media. And we'll also probably send out a few emails internally um, to um, anybody who's already associated with the organization. So just keep an eye on social media channels. It'll be the, f- the first new job that we post, um, hopefully of many, um, because we the need is very great right now. There's, there's again, no shortage of work to do. Um, and so if there's someone out there who uh, maybe it doesn't have the time to do uh, that sort of field organizing, uh, but has uh, the resources to help us in other ways, uh, you can also visit atheist.org slash donate uh, if anyone has large... Uh, sacks with a dollar sign printed on the side of them, we're we're happy to accept those as well. (laughs) Will you take piles of gold coin as well? Yes, absolutely. We'll take anything anything we can translate into paying our organizers. Uh, I'm happy to do that. (laughs) Um, And we do have about a minute before going to break again, but what kind of what kind of general ways are are you looking at doing this training? Yeah, the, the training is going to be um, in as many formats as we can put it together. So there will be guides, guidebooks, manuals, things like that. There will be webinars and uh, video series and things like that, but also in-person training. Um, we, we know that the best way for us to do training is to do it in person. Um, but the, that also looks like training trainers. Um, so it's not just us coming and training you. It's training people that can then train the next set of people as well. Um, that's mastery. <laughs> Can we use the word training anymore? I, I, I'm going to try to inject it as many more times into this conversation as possible because it's so important. Yes. <laughs> okay. We will have one more segment. And as I said, this is, you know, one of those things that, that delights my geeky little heart. So we will come back to that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm training for it right now. <laughs> Maddie, do, do you have a pun you need to add? Because no. this is a tradition. Really? I don't, I don't no. pun. Anyway. Covered, yeah. No. <laughs> That's not a track. I'll go on. I, um, I've outpunned. Uh, she's she, speechless. Speechless. <laughs> we'll return to our guest president and training of American Atheists, Nick Fish, right after this short commercial break. I'm Maddie Love in studio with Stephanie Zvan, and you're listening to Atheist Talk on KTNF and AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota training. Welcome back to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. 
You're tuned into Atheist Talk. I'm your host, Maddie Love, and enjoyed him and am joined in studio. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a host in training. In studio by Stephanie's van, and we are happy to be joined by President of American Atheists, Nick Fish. Well done, Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously the subject of the moment is training. Um and we're talking about training at this point. Uh the leadership of affiliate groups and, and potential activists um, who are looking to work with uh, American atheists. What kind of topics do you want to be offering training in, Nick? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, this is one of those questions that uh, I, I hope uh, really uh, gets everybody's nerddom fired up here because, uh, you know, there are best practices out there that – um, you don't even necessarily know our best practices or you don't even think about when you're first starting organizing a group. Um, this can be anything, you know, from, from the really exciting to how do you organize a protest? How, you know, how do you find where to get protest signs? Who do you contact? What sort of permitting do you need? Things like that to the stuff that some people think is really boring, but is really important for the long-term vitality of a group. Um, things like bylaws. What do you do for succession planning? Um, that's really important stuff that, um, you, you know, can can be the life or death of an organization over time um, because nobody really does this forever. And if you do, you're going to suffer from burnout. Um, and so we want pe- to equip people with the tools that they need to make sure that their group is successful in the long run, not just successful for a few years until they get so tired of uh, of doing everything in their group uh, that they just have to take a break or they're going to, I mean, literally burn out. Um, they, they need to know how to delegate. Um, they need to know how to find programming. Um, but some of those sort of more, those more boring <laughs> things about best practices and, and fundraising and keeping a membership database and, uh, fundraising, uh, acknowledgements and, and all of that, um, you know, people don't think about when they're, when they're setting out to do activism or to build a community, but it's really important stuff that, um, you know, you need to be trained on because it isn't obvious. We were, we were sort of talking, uh, before the show about this, that, that there are there are so many things out there that aren't obvious, that aren't what you would call common sense, um, because they're very counterintuitive, right? And and there's no shortage of those even within the nonprofit uh, management uh, space. And so we need to train people on those so they um, so their groups can continue. <laughs> because um, <laughs> starting a group is great, but keeping a group for thirty, forty, fifty years is even better. And and I will say. Uh, without reference to any particular group or incident, because I literally, it, we see this every year within the movement. Um, these are the kind of things that they're not necessarily the exciting parts of running uh, an organization, but they're the kind that can take your organization down if somebody does it wrong. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and this isn't anything that even national groups are immune from. I mean, and not even within just the atheist community. I mean, this is the sort of thing that you see um, across communities, across movements, across um, every different issue area where um, things aren't planned for appropriately and something happens. And if you don't have contingencies in place, if you don't have mechanisms and structures in place, um, it can really be the death knell of, a, of what was a very successful organization um, if you're not prepared for it. And so that's why it's really important to put in place, um, you know, robust succession planning, uh, really strong bylaws um, that that aren't 
ambiguous in any way about structures and procedures um, because it, it's, it's just good governance and it, it gives confidence to people that are supporting your work um, if you're putting in place those structures. And, and that's, that's, you know, that's a really important part of it. You mean it isn't enough to be right on one big question? We actually have no, to execute? No, okay. <laughs> that's, 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 that's stunningly true, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't feel like it's a question you can be agnostic on. <laughs> um, I, I did want uh, to touch back on the conference this year. There were um, two men in particular who were talking about building more welcoming communities. Um, Kevin Bowling was talking about literally how not to drive students away from the movement mm-hmm. uh, if you're in a, a it's not really an adult org because these students are adults but if you're in right. an established um, community org and yeah. uh, Zachary Moore was talking very much about how do we create a movement that um, people still find meaningful when they've maybe moved on from uh, the shock of transitioning out of religion. Mm-hmm. Those are topics that are usually handled by women in this movement. Was that a, a conscious choice on American Atheist part? Well, I, 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 as much as I'd love to take credit for that, um, no, not necessarily, <laughs> except to the extent that I knew Kevin wanted, was going to talk about students and how to build structures, again, that, that are responsive for students. Um, Zach, though, you know, we, we wanted to democratize the way that our um, – convention speaker proposals happened instead of us just reaching out and, and filling the needs or, or filling the spots that we had, we wanted people to be able to propose topics and, 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 um, be thoughtful in the, and, and give feedback on what they wanted to hear at the conference by putting themselves out there. And, and, um, you know, you, you presented a workshop as well. We had lots of really fantastic people submit, um, really great, um, proposals. And, you know, they, they submitted proposals that we thought would resonate with the community. Um, but I do think that both of those topics are extremely important. Um, you know, religion is about more than just the dogma. It's about the community and it's about that sense of belonging. Um, and it is about finding meaning or purpose in doing something, uh, larger than yourself. Um, and, but religion doesn't have a monopoly on those things. And we need to get away from being afraid of, uh, replicating the things in religion or the things that churches do that work um, as long as they're consistent with our values. And I think having a, a strong community that is welcoming and affirming and, um, again, where people can find meaning, um, that's there, there's nothing um, in tension with our values there. And so we should absolutely do that because it's 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 part of what it means to organize groups. Uh, that's that's at the core of any type of group. So um, that we wanted to, to emphasize that certainly. So as one of the people who is organizing workshops at Skepticon, I happen to have some inside information that American atheists will be doing some of this training there. Is that something you would be prepared to give a quick plug for or yeah, absolutely. We're we're really excited to be sponsoring Skepticon. We're really excited to have Skepticon back uh, this year. Uh, so we will be there. Um, I, if you uh, want to support Skepticon, certainly come see us. I don't have the dates immediately in front of us. Maybe uh, mid August. Mid August. August thirteenth um, through fifteenth, I believe. Thirteenth to the fifteenth. Perfect. Um, yeah, we're we're sponsoring Skepticon. We'll, we'll be there. We'll be doing trainings. Um, but Skepticon has always been a really fantastic place for. Um, people to come get really good training and and to 
uh, connect with like-minded people. Um, and that's why we're so excited to see Skepticon back and to, to support the work that they're doing. All right. Um, Thanks, Nick. Um, and I, I will also just mention that we're going to have you back on the radio soon, Yay. starting, well, soonish at least. Oh. I, I won't make any promises for next timeline. That's probably not my job. But thank you for joining us today and giving us a taste of what... Uh, American Atheist is up to. All right, well, no, always you. a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Thank you for tuning in Atheist Talk. We'd love for you to join us again next Sunday. And if you missed an episode live, you can always catch us in the, on your favorite podcasting app. Please join us for brunch in just a few minutes over at Cucumbers. Proud to be on the air with Minnesota Atheist. Hope you enjoyed the show. The show depends on the generous support of our listeners, members, donors, and sponsors. Please consider supporting the show through the, through the donation link at mnatheist.org. This has been Atheist Talk on AM 950 KTNF. Mm-hmm.